What is up, everyone? Hope you are off and running on this fine Wednesday. And to start the show, we have another donor shout-out. And this episode goes out to Suzanne Lieberman. And yes, that's my mom, and I'm proud of it. Because if your mom doesn't like your show, then, well, you've got some major problems. If you would like to have your name shouted out to the world and have your own dedicated show of Oyster World Radio, feel free to press pause. Don't worry, I'll be right here. And check out patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio and cash in on some major bonuses. Type it into your browser or use the link in the show description. Support the show, support global citizenship, gain a little extra good karma. And become a Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, at patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio. Thanks, Mama. Welcome to Oyster World. Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. It's easy to get trapped in the day-to-day routines of our personal bubbles, but there are billions of ways to live the one life you got, and it's my job to find those ways and bring them to you. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and this episode is is very special to me. These two guys, Edmund and Luke, are poets for hire in London next to the Tate Art Museum by the Millennium Bridge. So what's a poet for hire? Day in and day out, they write poems for people that walk by on the street, and that's it. That's their job. And they love every second of it. This episode is full of gems, as Edmund and Luke recount their lives and how they got into the poet for hire business. This world ceases to amaze me, and I'm just getting started discovering it. And in a world where we seem to worship the rich and put those with all the money on a pedestal, I learned more from these two about what it takes in life and what success is in one conversation than I think I have from most of the so-called gurus with status and power. People are amazing. And this was a wake-up call for me to keep pursuing what I'm passionate about and realize that success is an ambiguous term that you can define yourself. So without holding you up any further, here is my conversation with Edmund and Luke. So Luke, Edmund, welcome to Oyster World Radio. It's really great to have you guys on. And it was was a really chance meeting, me walking through London in the streets, and I came across you guys' sign of poets for hire, and I could not turn away for sure. So you guys have been really helpful in helping my Art Across the World project, and I was happy enough that you guys were able to come on the show and tell me how the heck you guys got to be Poets for Hire on the side of the Tate, growing wonderful poems, making people like mice day. So welcome to the show. Thanks. And say Thank hi you, to everyone out there. Hello, Hello everyone there. Hello, listeners worldwide. Hello, mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the listeners worldwide and mom. We'll be <laughs> hopefully be listening to you guys' podcast, and I'm excited to get started. So we'll start with you, Luke. Yep. Um, you grew up in London, and you've been here for most of the time. But what what was it? Where where did you grow up exactly in London, and what was it like? Um, I grew up in a place called Stratford, which is uh, in the far east of London, just over the River Lee, in what was once Essex. But then, with the expansion of the railways, that was sucked into and subsumed into the city a very very poor area of London Um, you know kind of desperately desperately poor 
and there is a giant. We're in a park right now, and I'm sure you'll hear some random sounds throughout the way. But there is a giant group of runners just just passed with. I don't know what song it was. Just I, I don't know. Yeah. That's London for you, right? That's, there, that's, that's London. Not, yeah, that's yeah. As London as it gets. Yep. Um, modern, modern London. Modern London, modern yeah. London. We wouldn't have done any exercise 20 years ago, I can tell you that much. <laughs> we, we imported that from California or something. <laughs> Along with yeah. the Starbucks. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah so, you know, um, that was kind of a town with uh, a little bit of light industry because it was on the river, so you could kind of pump your effluent and your toxins directly into the Lee. You know, very high rates of unemployment, very high rates of crime. Uh, so it's a little bit rougher part of that. Yeah, it was. You know, yeah, that was. You know, it always, always was the kind of um, one of the rougher quarters of, of the city. You know, pe people had had hard lives. You know, you could see at school. You know, kids that were kind of really kind of genuinely suffering from kind of malnourishment and that kind of thing. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah, kind of things like high rates of tuberculosis. You know like kind of weird Dickensian things that and you really wouldn't... this wasn't that long ago either. No, this was in, you know, I was born in 79, so, uh, yeah, my early my my early years was, was the 1980s, you know, and this was, yeah, I mean, things were different. Thatcher was in power. There was, uh, so you were losing some of the kind of, the kind of social democratic values that people had taken for granted for a long time. Uh, you know, Thatcher famously said, "There's no such thing as society." So, uh, you know, it was it was kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. It was kind of every man for himself a little bit at that time. Some people were making lots of money uh, in in the city, with, you know, the financial district. Uh, what was a typical day for you? What as a kid? As a kid, so oh, was... you know, I, 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 we would kind of knock about. You know, I'd climb over the wall that separated my backyard from the neighbours and we'd kick a ball together, you know, practice sort of WWF um, wrestling moves, <laughs> suplexes, nothing kind of very out of the ordinary, you know, throw stones at other kids, whatever. Right, um, so, you know, neighbourhood, yeah, kind yeah. of bigger city living. Yeah, 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 no, no, nothing kind of all that weird. Um, fairly normal, ride your bike, that kind of stuff. That was really what it revolved around. So even though it was a rougher area, it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like, um, you know, we had to kind of sweep chimneys or <laughs> kind of go down a coal mine or something. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be too fun. No, that wouldn't no, be fun. That wouldn't that, be fun. None of that. None of that. <laughs> so what about you, Edmund? What was... Um... I grew up in a little town called Burnley, which is in the northwest of England, near Manchester. And it was a cotton town, but then the cotton industry died oh, and yeah. left Burnley behind. Uh, so now all that's really left up there is service industries and horrible weather and bleak. So you don't, exactly, you don't exactly have fond memories of your hometown, do you? Not particularly, no. It's a while since I've been back there. Uh, the first thing I wanted to do was get out of there to somewhere decent. So what was like the, but what was a typical day for you like? So, you well, the, go the to right. school, uh, go home, read a book. That was pretty much it, really. Repeat. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's just yes. not a whole lot to do. Or you. That's how I was raised. Kind of more strict and 
yeah, maybe a little bit, but uh, that was what I wanted to do, just uh, do my own thing, really. Gotcha. Yeah. So then you you were there for a number of years, though, for most of Yeah, I lived there until I was 18, and then I came to our wonderful city to be a student at university. That's right. So that was your yeah. first experience with London, or have you been there Yeah, before? first time away from home. I visited London a couple of times before that, but uh, uh, yeah, and obviously I knew that was where I wanted to be. And I'm sure so, once you got here, you're like, wow, yeah. Well, I wasn't going to go back to Burnley after that, so I've more or less been here ever since. What was your first day like? What was, so you've been in a small town almost your whole life, and then you right. finally got here and realized yeah. that you were staying here. Yeah. Was it... Joyful? Was it? We well, didn't seem that dramatic, really. I just moved my, a load of my stuff into uh, halls of residence and then started reading another book. <laughs> <laughs> getting ready. So not much for get, Getting ready to start the degree. <laughs> it, it took me a while to get to know the other students. So. Uh, so was I mean, I was glad I was away, but I didn't crack open any champagne or anything like that. Just, sure. You waited. The champagne waited for another time. That's right. <laughs> So around this time too, uh, Luke, you went to New Zealand. So instead of yeah, I didn't go to university. I went to yeah, I went to New Zealand where my mum's family's from. My dad didn't really have any family to speak of, so you know all my cousins, aunts, uncles, all that sort of thing, all over there. Uh, so yeah, I went there 1999, kind of beginning of 99. Uh, my cousin, who was an electrician got me a job as a builder's labourer. Um, uh, we were working on the kind of mansion and gardens of the guy that made his fortune importing uh, water beds to New Zealand. So yeah. uh, kind of huge oh, place. Oh, so they were embedded. They Massive were job, yeah. Importing water beds. Yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how he made his millions. So uh, we were working for this guy, kind of, um, yeah, doing up this huge mansion on a hill that looks over, um, over Auckland, Auckland Harbour kind of thing. So yeah, did that, made so some you, really what great was friends. Job like? it was the job was um, almost exclusively digging, actually. <laughs> so you were digging and pushing wheelbarrows. Ditches, basically. Yeah, yeah, digging ditches, drainage ditches, that kind of thing, pushing wheelbarrows. You know, That's which. Fun thing in the world. It sounds like. uh, yeah, you know, but at the same time, when you're that sort of age, when you're a teenager, you sort of like the idea of doing something kind of manly or something. You know, like. Don't know about that. <laughs> you know, you sort of like, oh yeah. Um, Why you didn't like digging the ditches? <laughs> books to read. <laughs> I was gonna say I probably would have opted for the books too if I was really honest. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of I felt like I was being initiated into something, and um, you know they loved it. Maybe you this know, is what I lack. All these old kind of like grizzled forty-year-old men um, from New Zealand thought it was hilarious watching this kind of pale skinny pom with a spade in his hand like hands <laughs> bleeding <laughs> uh, sweat pouring from my brow they thought that was the funniest thing in the world oh, so. I'm sure the blisters were absolutely awful yeah yeah but you know they turned into calluses after a while and I just you know I found a different way of thinking because I mean I grew up with you know people used to tell me I was clever and stuff lazy and intelligent but um there's a, a thousand different types of intelligence, isn't there? And I, one thing I always remember was uh, one of the builders there, I was mixing cement, you know, in a cement mixer. And I had, you know, the piles of metal and cement and blah, blah, blah. And, you, you know, you kind of 
put your spade into one pile and you chuck it in into the mixer and I had the mixer a few paces away from my piles of um, you know of materials and uh, yeah. this builder came along one of the boys came along and he was like Luke um, why don't you just move the cement mixer it's on wheels over here so you don't have to walk and to me it was like that was some kind of zen moment of enlightenment like wow look how clearly this man sees the world this is incredible what a brilliant kind of intelligence I'm a fucking idiot like, uh, um, so that kind of thing just uh, being in a world that you know was not my natural environment and learning kind of skills not very well you know I was always a very mediocre builders labourer but uh, I like being exposed to it you know and understanding what they do well it was kind of revelatory actually oh I bet yeah I mean I only did it for about a year and a half over there but uh, I don't regret it you know I had a good, had a good time actually I had a good time you finish at four o'clock get sucked in into the beers and that and uh, feel feel quite good you know doesn't sound too bad for a, no. uh, for a teenager's job. It's a, it's a really good one. They should all bloody do it, lazy gits. You know, like uh, your endorphins are going, you know. Yeah, you know, you've worked up a sweat, built up a bit of beef and that. You should do it. Like, <laughs> if you're a young person, they should be forced to do it. Bring back, bring back, <laughs> so, Edmund, you, bring back you national service. Yeah. Like, no, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I'm gonna... yeah, I was a bit more cerebral. <laughs> <laughs> you like your books. And... That's right. Too, was there a favourite book or a favourite series that you liked? Uh, no, I just uh, always had to be reading a book more than any particular, you know, obsession or anything like that. Just read to keep myself busy more than anything else, occupy my mind. I was not good at any of the physical stuff, so... Uh, no, was I. <laughs> <laughs> So that was uh, that was the more of the route you took, and then mm -hmm. after after these phases too. So mm. it's kind of funny that both you guys ended up in the same place almost. <laughs> yeah, it took a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, took took a long time. We didn't meet until we were in our thirties. So yeah. And this time, you guys were kind of hopping around. At this point, you decided to pursue music. That's right. Afterwards, and which is always an up and down yeah. business, up and down affair. And then, yeah, Luke, you also just jumped around from different uh, place to place, different job to job. Yep. yep. Trying to find a direction, which is, I think, what everyone struggles at their core. Yeah, I mean, um, work-wise, I was really not. just trying to fund fund my dissolute lifestyle. You know, like uh, I didn't care about what job I'd done so long as it was kind of bearable, and it, I didn't have to take it home. You know, and I got enough money. Um, you know, for for my modest needs you know so and I could get on with the things that I wanted to do so uh, I never thought in terms of careers or anything mm. like that I just thought about what I can get away with really so yeah yeah that was the mindset and I'm sure that was happy that was a happy time for you as well a lot I mean, of it was great yeah oh well. a lot of a lot of it was great really you know had some some, some fantastic times had a lot of fun had a lot of fun yeah because you're working with the similar you know similar kinds of people reprobates you know that approach work in the same way, you know. Uh, they're not looking to kind of change the world, um, they're not looking to build a career, so they don't need to kiss anyone's ass or, 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 or you know, everyone's got their hand in the till, nicking things left, right and centre, run, run, running different little scams and stuff. And yeah. That. yeah, it's hilarious, to be honest. Like, <laughs> um, 
Because everyone's just there to get the job done and go home. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Basically. Pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you did, but you know, you kind of hit your mid, your mid thirties or much, <laughs> much before that if you're more conscientious, and, and suddenly that that kind of lifestyle actually becomes much more difficult. Uh, you know, you, the kind of jobs that you used to go to, you su- go for, you're suddenly too old for, you know, uh, uh, and even if you get them, you're working with people that um, are so young and so stupid and boring that um, you want to top yourself. So. Someone a little bit more intelligent than yeah, yeah. Them you were when you were a teenager too. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden you become the guy laughing at the newbies. That's right. Not the other way yeah. around. So I kind of hit, hit the end of the road with that kind of thing, really. Which is why I was so fortunate to uh, to become um, a poet for hire, really, because that solved that problem, yeah. at least for the time being. So you were kind of meandering, and then at the same time, Edmund, you decided yeah. to really dedicate yourself to music. Yeah, uh, electronic to music, music meandering. Yeah. So what was what was that like? Was there was there a really favorite gig that you liked, or oh, did you lots, said you lots and lots of gigs? Bit? Yeah, I played in. France, Germany, lots of times, Japan and Iceland. Japan? Yeah, I toured in Japan. I did four or five albums, I think I've done now. And I've done hundreds of gigs all over London, uh, lots of parties, which was fun, but I never made any money out of it. And I had a lot of difficulty finding a job that was even bearable. I tried my hand at a lot of different things, but I was always a few paces away from the cement mixer. (laughs) No matter what I did. Uh, So I went through some uh, extremes of poverty to the point where I was even living on the street for a while. And eventually I had the good dumb luck to get myself involved in the poet for hire business. So Which is the like, only job I've ever had that I've remotely liked. So you guys almost were in the same spot at the same time, two completely different routes. In yeah. a way. Yeah, we were both stuck, yeah, for and sure. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with, mm. um, even if they do build their careers. Mm. So yeah, like, even if they're exactly wealthy. what you're supposed to do. Oh, yeah, mm. absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. why, the same reason why I'm here right now, mm. sitting with all you guys yeah, in this yeah. weird-ass park yeah, the right, yeah. side of the Thames. Yeah, sitting in, sitting in the mud. Sitting yeah. in the mud, <laughs> yeah. and here we are. <laughs> and we all decided to, you know, continue to do something different because the mainstream wasn't really for us. Mm. And then you got this idea, or someone luckily gave, I think, Edmund, you the idea. That's right. Of the Poets yeah. for Hire. So where, what was that story? Where did this come well, from? A guy that I knew um, told me that he was doing it and invited me to come down. And I was like, uh, yeah, right, maybe, yeah. Uh, I'd already read on a blog once about some guy in America who was doing it and thought, yeah, nice one. <laughs> yeah, like nice pipe. Great idea, yeah, no, yeah nothing... must be wicked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm already skint, so... Uh, <laughs> but eventually he persuaded me to come down, and I have Did not... it take a while, too, to finally convince you to show up? Yeah, maybe a month or two it took, and then I had to wait to get hold of a typewriter. But then after the first day, I thought, this is great. I'm going to go every day from now on. What was the first day? That like, was what, just what over a year ago. clicked for you? Um, well, I just realized that it was a way that I could make a little bit of money out of doing something that I actually enjoyed doing. 
it didn't seem like some horrible, hateful imposition on me to do something that I despised amongst people that I also despised <laughs> and basically waste my life to live in something that wasn't that far above poverty anyway. Mm. So I couldn't really see the catch and I've been at it ever since, which was just over a year ago. For over a year ago you've been yeah, doing this. that's right. And Luke, when did you get into the equation? When Start of spring, basically. Yeah, so you're pretty new at this. Yep, yep, yep. Very new. But not new to poetry. So where did, where, not new to did poetry, you, no. When did you guys meet? So when was the meeting like between you guys? Uh, when we, Well, we first met, five, you know, Five or six years ago. Five or six years ago. In a uh, pub. In a pub. I mean, we're all great ideas started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, um, I used to write on the internet a lot in the early 2000s before kind of Facebook and stuff ate the internet. Uh, so I had a, a kind of blog that did all right and was in a network of other ones that all used to kind of, you know, there was a lot of cross-talk among them, ideas kind of flying back and forth and that network uh, kind of coalesced into a kind of message board or forum which again you know barely survived Facebook uh, right. Right. and which Edmund was also a contributor to so um, you know that was uh, we kind of a few of a few a few people from there agreed to meet up in, in a pub and you know most of them were really boring people. After, after, <laughs> As they usually are. After they'd all gone home. After about three points. After they'd all gone home. Went home for a casserole. Me and Luke were the <laughs> <laughs> we, we stayed out drinking though. We, yeah. So the f then you guys probably complained about all the other people. <laughs> as soon as they went home, I'm like, man, this is so boring. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we, we kind of... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had a different attitude to, to going to the pub, um, put it that way. Like, so. <laughs> so you guys. That's when we first met. Um, and then at the same time I was working at, in a coffee shop that wasn't too far away from where Edmund was living. So uh, I became a regular visitor. Yeah, I used to run it by myself kind of thing, <clears throat> only one member of staff, which meant I could kind of give away endless free coffees and croissants and stuff. Right. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I could just treat it like my living room, so um, Edmund used to come down there, sort of thing. Yeah, so that, you guys, that was the first meeting, it was just or a, almost a, a forum meeting that you were putting yeah. on through your writing, and then mm. you, you showed up, and all of a sudden all the boring people went home, and only two were left. Pretty so much, yeah, pretty much. Went through all of the, the others, and then it was just uh, you guys. That's about the, the size of it, yeah. 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 Yep, yep, yep. And then is that when, were you already at the time doing the Poet for Hire? Oh no, this was a long time. That's, long time. Oh, that's right, this was about six years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, years before. So when you were doing the Poet for Hire though, did you, it was a couple, you, you decided to do yourself doing solo jobs, so when did... As soon as Luke I started do? doing it, I told Luke, this is great, I've got a new job called being a Poet for Hire. <laughs> all I do is sit on the South Bank and write poems for people all day. It's a brilliant laugh. And then, and of he, course, you he, laughed like that. He, no, he, <laughs> he was too amazed that I had enough money to buy him a pint to laugh. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was shocked. Oh, that's right, so you had the money to, to back it up. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, no, it was great. Yeah, Edmund buy me a pint. Wonderful. I thought this was a, a very, very positive 
development, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you've been into literature and reading too for a yeah, long time. Yeah, so. yeah. I started writing poetry. Yeah, when I was about 16, reading poetry about about the same time, kind of thing. Got into that kind of weird world. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been writing for 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 a very long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I was doing other things when Edmund first started doing this, and he was doing it with this other lad as well. So there wasn't really there wasn't really a vacancy at that time, and if there was, I wouldn't have been able to take it anyway. So right, the opportunity kind of came along this year, really. So he bought you a pint, you're like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, try this out, I gotta see I mean, what happens. Eventually. Uh, Eventually. Yeah, I, th I mean, Edmund kind of hustled me into it, you know. Um, <laughs> he took me to the shop and made me buy the little, you know, the little foldable table. So, and sold you a typewriter, sold one of me, my typewriters. Sold me a, a typewriter. So piece by piece, you got him into it very uh, yeah, slowly. pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Oh, so that's pretty good. So what was the, what was the first day like? So you got, so you finally, okay, you're like, fine. Yeah, I got the typewriter, I got the mm. table, and you guys are both going out there together. Edmund, you've been doing this for I've a while. I've already done it for almost a year, so. I guess so we can start there. What was what was the first couple, I guess, weeks for for you? You liked it right off the beginning. Was there any? Yeah, I liked it straight away. Was it, there any nerves, or did you just get right to it? Uh, I took to it pretty naturally. Dr. Walker. More or less, yeah. Um, it took a couple of weeks, maybe, before I could, had the nerve to go down on my own. Because, uh, as we say, I used to go with another lad. <laughs> but after that, um, I just started to enjoy it so much that uh, I became addicted. How did you get over those nerves? Because I know, I mean, that, maybe that's a very serious jump. A lot of people, I don't think, would do that. That's why maybe it's no because I'd done a lot of... <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's because I'd done a lot of music gigs previously mm. and stood up on stage in front of people and made an idiot out of myself. Mm. I wasn't, you know, I was Faced already used to making mm. a fool of myself in mm. public, so. So it was almost practice. Sex practice, second practice, nature, practice, practice. Mm. About being in front of people, putting yourself out there. Mm. Yeah. And then once you hit your dreams. It's a really you're... pleasant interaction just to ask somebody, would you like a poem? What would you like it to be about? And then there you are, there's your poem. And uh, most of the time people seem to like it, so. I know I did. I know I really enjoyed Good. mine. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Edmund didn't write mine. It was, it was Luke over here. And so nerves, nerves weren't a big problem, really, when I started. What about you, Luke? Yeah, there... I mean, I kind of, you know, I hadn't been on stage, but because I'd been on display in coffee shops and stuff for so many years, I was very used to having a public face. Excellent customer service. Yeah, skills. you know that was that came, that came naturally to me. Um, I'd already had the nerves, you know, my first day working in Starbucks at nineteen, pouring sweat, you know, trembling, <laughs> terrified. Um, Having to interact with people. Yeah, I mean, almost impossible. You know, I wanted to run away, literally. But that was so long ago that, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff's gone, really. I mean, it took me a, a while to kind of loosen up um, and really find my groove with it, you know. And I, I guess, I think that's something that you just kind of keep keep on doing, really. You keep, you keep getting better at it and kind of deepening uh, the kind of process <laughs> to use an arty word you know because at first you know there's always a tendency to go oh that'll do you know oh, I got away with that one 
but you, I think mm. that with that kind of thing, you really need to keep challenging yourself and going, no, doing it that way is not good enough. Um, I need to, to, to up it a level. I think that's, that's uh, if you don't take that kind of attitude, then you'll kind of stagnate and bore yourself. So. That goes for doing stuff at home as well. Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 of course, of course, of course, absolutely. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely better at it now than, than the first week I did it, you know. And part of that is nerves and part of that is practice. Yeah, and of course, here you guys are, of course, staying the, the extra hour. Thank you for, for coming on the show Thank and saying park freezing to death, most likely, <laughs> as the, the wind is starting to come off the Thames a little bit. No, we like it, it makes us feel here, famous, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so I guess to, to wrap things up, you guys do have a story that I, I feel like a lot of people do struggle with. It's the how and you guys seem to fight it not going into what people say you should do and we just rubbish at doing anything else <laughs> <laughs> hey i don't, I don't no. know about that you also have a couple we, of music albums exactly out, so. yeah and and that was in the days when an album didn't mean a digital file it meant somebody had actually paid to put it on a massive slab of vinyl like uh, so um, we won't underplay Edmund's uh, music career at <laughs> Even all. Even though you will. Uh, he will, yeah. if given half the chance. But yeah, <laughs> people were putting actual big black slabs of vinyl in the shops on his behalf. So, uh, And also, yeah, I mean, uh, you do. Let's, let's not downplay the fact that you do actually have to fight to do something like that, because uh, everyone will tell you, not to. <laughs> and I think that you guys still have to continue to fight to do what you're doing. Of course too, you do. So yeah, you do. I guess for someone else. else. You in do. Some ways. Your, family, yeah. your family aren't going to support that. Um, you know, even your friends, then half the time aren't even going to support it. <laughs> so uh, you do have to have some kind of level of bloody mindedness and perversity and uh, some kind of probably. Um, even if, if buried or disguised, some kind of um, ego in the background pushing you forward. <laughs> some kind of socially inept. <laughs> Delusional. Delusional. Um, <laughs> Maniac. So, yeah, side. fantasy life. That's right. So all of that, yeah, deep, Deeply, richly detailed in a life. Yeah, this is what you need to so persevere. Is that is that the key? A little bit of ego and some bullheadedness. Yeah, no, I, you I wouldn't think. you wouldn't bother otherwise. <laughs> you wouldn't. You'd just give up and go fuck it. I'll get a normal job, and and a mortgage and and um, and all that Kids kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, all yeah. The yeah. Stuff that you should. Yeah, all good things, I'm sure. Yeah, but, uh, I know. So it, for everyone listening out there that you know is struggling with the same thing mm. and maybe doing wants to do something a little radical yeah maybe start up their own poets for hire on the yeah. side of yeah, Minneapolis, Minnesota, yeah, yeah. Where, wherever the hell they're listening yeah uh, what would you say to them what, what would you say well I'd definitely say for me the starting to do this poet for hire things was one of the best things I've ever done in my life the ability to as I say make some money out of doing something that I don't hate has made a massive difference to daily, day-to-day -day life. And was it worth it? Was it worth yeah, all the pain to get there? Yeah, I wish I'd thought of it years ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's brilliant. What about you, Ruth? Yeah, no, uh, why not do it, eh? Like, um, because there's always the option to kind of make yourself suffer and force yourself 
to do something you don't want to do. People are always going to allow you to do that. Encourage There's always you, encourage you. There's always an opportunity. <laughs> to force you. Yeah, exactly. That's always going to be there. It's not going to go anywhere. So why not give yourself the chance to do something else and see how it goes? Maybe it will be a total failure. Maybe it won't, but uh, it's sort of worth throwing the dice one way or the other. And any, you know, I'm very, very... Uh, as well as being firmly in favour of sending young people to building sites um, <laughs> to get calloused hands, I'm also in favour of people doing creative things, really. I think it's good for their mental health. I think you learn a lot about yourself, how the mind operates, how emotions operate, all that kind of thing. You learn, you learn about how what William Burroughs called the soft machine works. So uh, I think you should do it. Even if you think you're talentless, talentless—that's a meaningless word. <laughs> you know, you can do and what you, you guys can do. Know your words, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I think that is a great place to wrap up. Definitely, the drive and the go out and do something—that's the reason why all three of us are here on this godforsaken side of the plane. It is. It is on this godforsaken planet. <laughs> <laughs> And, well, thank you guys. I think thank everyone you. out there listening really appreciates it. And I know I'm going to take that to heart as I continue trying to do this podcast thing and whatever yep. else Wicked. I do. And if you guys, all of you listening out there, end up in London and go to the Tate, these guys are top notch. They'll always have a good time. They'll write you a nice poem. Right by the Millennium cash, Bridge. Right under the Millennium Bridge in between the Millennium Bridge and the Tate. And that was fun, guys. Thank you. Yeah, enjoyed we'll talk it. To you guys yep. soon. Thank you, Nathan. See ya. Thank you, mate. All right, guys. Well, before we sign off, I have Luke's poem that he wrote me, and I thought I'd read it on the air and see what you guys think. So here it goes. Take Europe by storm, crisscross that old and cramped continent, where the language and cultures change every five miles, and every hour driving in one direction takes you to an international border. This crucible of humanity, dense with flesh and lives, History layered like rock, sentiment upon sentiment, and each layer telling a tale that ruptures and rifts in the rocks, making wars and discoveries, divisions and revolutions, the birth of steam power, say, or Martin Luther nailing his theses to the door, the Christian church splintering and shattering into different sects. Look closely and stone will reveal bullet wounds and sword gouging, dense with time. Place ear to ground and hear its stories. Thank you all again for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World, radio production of Oyster World LLC. Thanks again, Edmund and Luke. That poem was pretty sweet. If you're in London, stop by and say hi to them. They are by the Tate Art Museum in the Millennium Bridge. Keep up to date on everything that's going on in the Big Gap here on Instagram at Nathan.Wanders. Things are crazy as usual. Check out the links in the show description for more information and special thanks to Charlie Milken for all of the Oyster Jams. Check them out on Spotify or at charliemilken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. He's also episode 50, so check it out. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N and make sure to claim your epic bonuses and get your name on the air. Thanks again for tuning in to Oyster World Radio. We'll be back in two weeks, but until then, this is Nathan Lieberman.
Signing off. I can't take control of my life If I'm too busy looking at the stars And thinking about our time that's gone by It's time for a change In my day-to-day scene Time to turn around